Welcome to another episode of Nipe Story. This is a fortnightly podcast that brings you audio versions of short stories from Kenya and across the continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mwachiro. On this episode, we're featuring The Chamber by Muihaki Muragori. Mind your head, motioned the guide as he led me down the whitewashed staircase, his hand doing a double tap on the low overhang. I followed him, a slight bounce in my step. I soon slowed down as I realised we were about to go through a narrow passageway. Had it not been for the harsh fluorescent bulb, I would have been adjusting my eyes at this point to the dark. The chamber that he led me into was not large by any means. The ceiling was barely a foot above my five and a half foot frame. The large concrete slabs that rose up to thigh level against the walls of the room diminished the room further. Only a narrow path down the middle was left, measuring the width of one person. One could slide through to the end of the small chamber, barely ten feet away. Sitting down on one slab, the guide took out his handkerchief and wiped his brow. I recall thinking that he hadn't been sweating a minute ago when we were upstairs, in the breeze-filled rooms of the former dispensary that stood above the chamber we now sat in. I looked around nervously, my nose wrinkling as I wondered what to make of this dark, musty room. The guide looked up at me as I stood in the middle of the chamber. Sit down, he said. I obliged him slowly, putting down my kikoi bag on the whitewashed slab. He began. The slave trade was probably Zanzibar's most profitable business, and as you know, it was abolished in 1873. He paused. You know Dr. Livingstone? I nodded impatiently, thinking, who doesn't? For the better part of my childhood, history was about the explorers and missionaries and their taming of the dark continent I came from. For the longest time, I had found those stories adventurous and romantic, until I realized that my history was the other side the side not told, the side of the ones who needed to be saved from their primitive ways. Since then, I'd had a different view of the whole Livingston Stanley and Kraft narrative. I sighed as I settled down for this touristy whitewashed version of Africa's history, disappointed at the trajectory my day had suddenly taken. Well, in East Africa, this is where Livingston and others brought the slave trade to an end. This chamber was a holding room, Once delivered from Bagamoyo on the mainland, the slaves would be divided, women and children on one side, men on the other. They would be kept in chambers such as these while awaiting auction day, typically for about two to three days. I nodded and I thought, how horrible, given how poorly ventilated the room was. How many would be kept in a room like this, I asked. The guide looked at me, his eyes boring into mine then turned and looked around the small chamber. This was one of the female holding rooms, he said quietly. So about 70 to 75 women and children. The men's room across held about 50. I stared at him in shock, then slowly looked round, a chill winding its way up from the top of my neck down my spine. The room slowly shrunk around me, as his answer settled into my soul. I looked back at the guide and he looked at me. We were both silent for a moment, 
His thoughts, I knew not. Mine was struggling to process the thought of me and 70 other women packed into this small room. Hot, sweaty, barely clothed, having no room to turn, let alone relieve oneself. Finding that the woman next to you had died after the thousand kilometer march and you had no room to move away from her body. I thought of my children and the horror of having to sit and watch one of them die in front of me from heat exhaustion, fatigue or starvation. Their eyes asking the silent question I could not answer and wondering whether that may be a blessed relief in comparison to what lay ahead. I thought of the quiet tears and heart-wrenching sobs that had been cried in this small room and felt the echoes of the other 13 chambers that made up the underground holding complex. We sat quietly, he and I, feeling the weight of all those souls that had passed through this room. 60,000 slaves left Zanzibar alive every year. There's no record of how many arrived or were lost along the way. Those ones did not matter. He looked weary, like the burden of sharing this information with yet another uninformed tourist drained him. The official Zanzibari trade lasted over a hundred years. He let that number sink in for a moment. Six million left these shores as the property of others, and those were the ones who survived. I shivered again, thinking of the vastness of that number, slowly realizing that thousands, if not millions more, were violently pulled out of their homes and their lives, led away from everything they knew, only because they happened to be in an unfortunate place at an inopportune moment, or they had angered someone, or by circumstance of birth had no power to fight back against marauding slavers or greedy kinfolk. The guide pointed to the three air vents at the end of the room. Each was no more than two rulers high, the length of my arm. The middle one about two inches wide, the other two much wider at about six inches each. The two on the ends have been widened. The middle one is still the original width, he said. Some chambers were below sea level, so at high tide, the water would come spilling through the narrow vents. Images flooded my mind, being woken in the middle of the night by rhythmic wetness, that of the seawater coming through, the treasured spot near the vents which held precious air, now one of horror, holding one's baby up as they wondered if this was how the hardship of that long journey was to end, in strangely salty water that came with stinging sand and foreign creatures in hard shells. After here, the slaves were taken to the port for auction, the ones who withstood the whips made from the tails of the longest stingrays were sold for the highest amounts of money. Often, a child was thrown in as a bonus, a buy one, get one free of the trade. Where the whipping post used to stand, he said, is marked by the altar in the church up above. It was built once the slave market was closed. The images and echoes had spoken, and the enormity of both the trade and the humanity of the abolition had been rendered unto me. He stood, mopping his brow once again. I realized I was sweating all over, despite my loose clothing. The heat and the history had enveloped me 
and my body was reacting in the only way it could. And yet, only two of us were in the chamber. Only two out of the 15 chambers have been kept. The rest were destroyed. These two were kept to tell the story. He led the way out of the chamber, up the stairs, towards light and air. I followed slowly, strangely ashamed. It was like the voices of all those who had lived and died in this chamber would castigate me for not embracing and rejoicing in my unappreciated liberties. As I emerged into the open sunlight, I realized that a new bead of moisture making its way down my face wasn't sweat. The chamber was read and written by Muihaki Moraguri. Muihaki loves words and she says she's happiest when spinning, speaking, weaving words into stories. Her day job is telling stories through Paukwa, a Kenyan company intent on delivering high-quality stories from an authentically African perspective. You can visit the website at paukwa.com.ke for more details. Muihaki also has what she describes a life job, that is, raising three little Kenyans to be humans who care. Thank you, Haki, for letting Nipe's story share your words. Nipe Story is available to download wherever you get your podcast from. Please do me a favor, write a review and rate the podcast so that others can find us easily. Many thanks to those who have reviewed this podcast so far and I really appreciate your support. You can follow us here on SoundCloud. On Facebook, we are Nipe Story and on Twitter, our handle is Nipe underscore story. Nipe Story is a finger piano production. <laughs>